This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time. Today on our telecast, we have a very challenging topic. We want to talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ, when Jesus comes again. Now today we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to emphasize that the course is free, and we want you to have it. And someone says, well, Brother Lambert, I know you say it's free, but what does it really cost? Absolutely nothing. This is free to you if you, don't, if you would like to receive it. We have thousands of people all over the world who are studying this Bible correspondence course. We want you to participate in it as well, that you might know more about the Bible course and that you might know how to receive the course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. That's the reading of Matthew chapter 24, verse 35 to verse 42. One thing that we learn from these passages of Scripture, Jesus Christ is coming someday. We do not know when, but he's coming someday. There are different ideas or concepts that people have relative to the second coming of Christ. That there are some people who even doubt that Jesus will ever come. And that's not really new because there were days and uh, people in the days of the Apostle Peter who had doubts about it. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, they were saying, where is the promise of his coming? 
For, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. Inasmuch as Christ had not come in their lifetime, they doubted that he would ever come again. Now another idea that people have about the second coming is that Jesus has already made that second appearance. A man told me one day that Jesus came the second time in 1914. He said it was during World War I, and he said it was a fulfillment of prophecy. Upon inquiring, he could not tell me which prophecy, and I've not found it yet, but nonetheless he said he came in visibly in 1914. The problem I have with that theory is that if Jesus came in 1914 invisibly, how did anyone know anything about it? Now the Bible says that every eye shall see him, Revelation 1, verse 7. Another concept that people have relative to the second coming of Christ is that you can predict with some degree of accuracy the time that Jesus Christ is going to come. Through the years, there have been many people to set dates as the time they expected Jesus Christ to come. They set their date, the time came and the time passed, and the Lord did not come. And that they could have been spared the embarrassment of making a false prediction had they taken the time to have searched the scriptures and to find out that you cannot know. Look in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So one day, the heaven and earth will pass away. Now verse 36, but of that day and hour, of what day and of what hour? Of the day and the hour when the heaven and earth passes away. He said, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So the only individual, the only person, the only one who has the information as to when Jesus Christ is going to come back is the Father himself. So we're not able to predict the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another idea that men have about the coming of Christ is that when he returns, that he's going to sit upon a literal throne in the city of Jerusalem and that he will reign for 1,000 years. Now, there are some uh, great difficulties with such an idea. First of all, in John the 17th chapter, Jesus was praying to his father and he prayed, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. Now he said, I finished my work on earth. In verse 11 he said, and I am no more in the world. No more doesn't mean once more. There isn't any passage that suggests that Jesus will come back into this world one more time. But in 2 Peter, the third chapter in verse 10, is another difficulty. In light of that passage, where would Jesus put a throne? In that, that verse says, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, 
the element shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So in light of the fact that when Jesus Christ comes back, that the world as you and I know it now is going to be destroyed, where would Jesus put a throne? There isn't a passage in all of the Word of God that remotely suggests that Jesus Christ will reign on this earth for 1,000 years. Now someone says, but Brother Lambert, haven't you read over in the book of Revelation something about Jesus sitting on a throne for 1,000 years? Well, turn to that verse that is often used to, to suggest that Jesus will reign 1,000 years. The verse is the fourth verse of Revelation 20. Let me read it to you. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their, their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast nor, or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Someone says, now there it is, Brother Lambert, in black and white. And it says that, they, that Christ will reign a thousand years. Now let's, let's, let's be honest. It says they lived and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. They were co their reign was co-regent with the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. But who is he talking about? Who, who is he talking about in Revelation 20 and verse 4? Well, back in the sixth chapter of Revelation, John is talking about martyred saints. In the ninth verse, they were, he saw the, the saints of those, saw the souls of those who had given their lives for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he saw these souls under the altar, and they were crying out, How long, O Lord, will you avenge, before you'll avenge our blood? Those saints were in a posture of defeat back in Revelation chapter 6. When you come to the 20th chapter, they are in a posture of victory. And listen to who he, what he says. I saw the souls. What did you see? I saw souls. What souls? The souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God. In other words, I saw the souls of Christians who gave their lives rather than surrender their faith in Jesus and in his word. They gave their lives, and, and they had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their forehead or in their hands. They had not bowed the knee to Caesar. They had not said, Caesar is Lord, and they had not received a certificate from Caesar that would give them the right to go about their business and even to worship the Lord. They, wouldn't, they would not bow the knee to Caesar. And hence, they did not receive his mark on their forehead or in their hand. They did not have authority from the emperor who is the beast in Revelation 24. And hence, they were, gave their lies rather than surrender their faith. And so that's who he's talking about here. And it says they, they who? Those martyred saints lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, folks, if the, if the reigning is limited to a thousand years, then the living would have to be limited to a thousand years. So I know that's not going to fit. Let me tell you what's not in that verse. You and I are not in it. 
We're not in that verse. If we are, where are we? And the second coming of Jesus Christ is not mentioned in that verse. If it is, where is it? He's talking about the victory of those early Christians who gave their lives rather than give up their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. No, no, there isn't a verse in all of this book that tells you Jesus will reign a thousand years. Well, somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, if that's the case, what's really going to happen when Jesus comes? Well, when Christ comes back, it's, it's going to be a visible return. And we'll know it when he comes because we'll see him. Uh, Revelation 1 verse 7 says, Every eye shall see him, they that pierced him. Now, that would necessitate a resurrection, would it not? And, and all kindred of the earth shall wail because of him. So it will be a visible return. His return will be audible. He will come with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and you're not going to mistake it for thunder. And when Jesus Christ comes back, comes again, the dead are going to be raised. And what a day that's going to be. Well, when the dead are resurrected, can you imagine what it's going to be like? In John 5, Jesus said, The hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, shall come forth, that they that have done good to the resurrection of life and they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. What a day that's going to be. Country graveyards will look like a rough plowed field in the springtime when the dead are raised up. Soldiers that have been slain and forgotten on a thousand battlefields will be raised up on that day. So when Jesus comes, the dead are going to be raised. When Jesus comes, the earth as you and I know it today is going to be destroyed. Over in the 102nd Psalm, the psalmist said in verse 25, verse 26, Of old thou hast laid the foundations of the earth, the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. One day, this old earth, as you and I know it, will perish. It will be destroyed. And in light of that, doesn't it just seem sensible to, to, to put your faith, confidence, and hope in something that's going to last? And that's God. That's in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's in his word. Yes, when Christ comes, the earth as we know it today is going to be destroyed. And when Jesus comes, we're headed for the judgment. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, all of his holy angels with him, then will he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations. All people who have ever lived, all people who will live until the end of time are going to appear in the judgment. There have been a lot of great days in the history of man. It was a great day when God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and that first man became a living soul. It was a great day when God put the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the planets in their places in the heavens. It was a great day 
when the angel sang, announcing the birth of Jesus, saying, Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And it was a great day when Jesus died on the cross, tasting death for every man. It was a great day when he was raised from the dead by the power of God. And it's going to be the greatest day in the history of the world when Jesus comes again. But to talk about coming again suggests he's been here before. And he has. When Jesus came the first time, Je Jesus came in humility. As a matter of fact, in the second chapter of Philippians, Paul said he emptied himself in the form of a servant. Jesus came into the world to be a servant of man. But when he comes a second time, he's not coming back in humility. He's coming back in glory. He's coming back in exaltation. When Jesus came the first time, he came to teach the world. In John the seventh chapter, it said of him, never man spake like this man, and no one had ever been able to teach like Jesus. But when Jesus comes a second time, he's not coming back to teach the world. When he comes a second time, he's coming to judge the world by what he taught the world the first time. Listen to John 12 and verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him on the last day. So on that last day when Christ comes, we'll be judged in light of the teaching of his word, which is found in the New Testament. And so we need to be studying and reading the Bible and, and relying on it today. And yet sometimes men rely upon what other people say, how the people think, how what the opinions of other men or women might be, rather than what our Lord has to say. When Jesus came the first time, Jesus came to build the church. And when he came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he said, I will build my church at its beginning on the day of Pentecost in, in the second chapter of Acts, recorded in Acts chapter 2, and it took place in the city of Jerusalem. That's where the church began. But when he comes again, he's not coming back to build the church. No, 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 he's coming back for the church. In the language of Paul in Ephesians 5, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, now, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but by that it should be holy and without blemish. He's coming back to get the church. What do you suppose Jesus meant when he said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. When Jesus came the first time, that, that, that were relatively few people who confessed him. Oh, there were some. But a great many were like those of whom we read in John the 12th chapter. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, many believed on him. 
but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess him lest they be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. And you see, they refused to confess Jesus Christ. So when he came into the world the first time, there were relatively few people that confessed Jesus as God's son. But when he comes back, that's going to change. Because the Apostle Paul said that when he comes back, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, there's a day coming that will make the proud and the rebellious tremble and quake. And that's when Jesus comes. It may be that an individual refuses to admit Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. They refuse to confess him as being the Lord of their lives. The one who died on Calvary saved them from sin. That is, they won't confess the sweet name of Jesus. But there's a day coming when every person will, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a day that will be. And then when Jesus Christ came the first time, Jesus came to invite lost people to come to him. Fact is, he still does that today. In Matthew 11 and 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And so Jesus is inviting you to come to him now. His ex invitation is extended. Would you not accept that invitation? For you see, when he comes the second time, Jesus is not going to be extending invitations. No, no. That's when he's going to drive those away who rejected him. In Matthew 5 and 21, Jesus said, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So he's going to drive the lost away, not extend an invitation to them. Now is the time to accept that invitation. Let, 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 me, let me see if I can get us to really think about his coming. Just suppose he had come yesterday. Would you have been a Christian? I mean, really, would you have been a Christian? Somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, I've been thinking about it. That, that's not the proposition. The, the proposition is, if Jesus had come yesterday, would you have been a Christian? I know you need to be. You need to be a Christian because you have a soul that's more valuable than all the world. You need to be a Christian because you're not going to live forever. You need to be a Christian because of your influence on other people. But the question is, if he'd come yesterday, would you have been one? And if he'd come yesterday, would you have been a faithful Christian? I suppose that uh, all people have their concepts and ideas about religion. And many people see absolutely no value whatsoever in worshiping God on the Lord's day. Even those who claim 
to be Christians. And we're not, they're not faithful to the Lord. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2. Be faithful unto death, Revelation 2, verse 10. How can we be faithful when we neglect to worship God on the Lord's day? So if Jesus had come yesterday, would you have been a faithful Christian? Well, one more question. If Jesus had come yesterday, where would you be today? And there are not a lot of alternatives, are there? Just where would you be today? If Jesus had come yesterday, he's coming because he said, I will come again. And I believe him. Don't you? Paul in Hebrews 9, 28 said he will appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We don't know when, but he's coming. Are you ready? Man went to England, walking down the street, and there was a very beautiful estate surrounded by a high fence. There was a man working in the yard. He began to talk to this gardener. He said, uh, you're doing a beautiful job. He said, well, my employer left here 12 years ago. He pays my salary. He wants me to keep everything up. He said he's going to come back and live here someday. And this man talking to him said, well, I suppose you try to keep everything ready as though you expect him to come tomorrow. He said, oh, no, 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 no. I try to keep everything ready as though he expect, I expect him to come today. Wouldn't it be a good thing if we would live our spiritual life like that? If we would live our life as though this were the day that Jesus Christ was going to come. That is, we live in a state of readiness all the time, prepared all the time, live the faithful Christian life all the time, and hence we would be ready. May I encourage you, if you are not prepared to become a Christian, believe on Jesus, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ, be baptized into Christ, because Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, verse 16. I want to thank you for watching today. And may, give, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. Also, before we close, may I encourage you to pick up the telephone right now and call the number that you have seen on the screen and request the free Bible correspondence course. Please do that today. Join in with thousands of others all over the world in studying the Bible. I want to thank you for watching. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to 
Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.